0: From the Ty Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Game Day with Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly. Welcome to Tiger Cats Game Day on the Ty Cats Audio Network. My name is Courtney Stephen and I'm joined by my tag team partner, Mike Daly. And Mike, we're in for a treat today. And I don't think people would necessarily think this is a treat unless they've been paying attention to how these teams are playing. You got the two and four Montreal Alouettes coming to the hammer to play against the one and five Hamilton Tiger Cats. This is an Eastern Division battle, the first of six straight Eastern Division games for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And if you're wearing black and gold today, this is got to be as close to exactly what the doctor ordered as possible. What do you feel like if you're a Hamilton Tiger cat getting ready for a six game East division, um, I guess stretch right here?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, when we were talking about before, Hey, don't panic. We're not in the panic mode, not in the panic mode because all that matters now is to win those divisional games. Right. And now with Montreal coming into town, this is where it starts. So everything that you were trying to learn on, you know, those those couple of losses, the one win, whatever it might be, this is when it has to start kind of showing face. All those things you learned as you're building as a team, this is really where it matters because, you know, w- w- all you need to do is get into the playoffs, right? Hottest team at the time you're into the playoffs, that's what matters. So we've built for these past games to now with this East Division battle and the stretch that's going to come, to, to get yourself in position so that, you know, come Labor Day, come end of the season, you're in a good spot to get number one, that first first round buy if you can. Number two, most important, just get into the playoffs. So this is where it really matters.
0: And getting to the playoffs starts. Today, for the tie cast with this East Division battle. I know it's early, but with 12 games left, you have to start buckling down and putting yourself within shooting range for that target. So, let's talk about who's up, who's down, who's in, who's out. The veteran leader on this team, Chris Van Zyl, has been put onto the six game injured list. Now, we know him being a stalwart Canadian on that offense being out of the lineup is going to shift some things and have some second order effects. So on that offensive line, we got Travis Vorncall jumping back in at that left tackle, and that bumps Kelly over to the right tackle, previously occupied by Chris Van Zyl, rounding out the offensive line, Brandon Revenberg, Alex Fontana, and Coulter Wood-Mancy. That's quite the offensive line, and that's exactly what the Ticats are going to need to protect Dane Evans, who's been playing better. He's been playing really well all year long, but as of late, he's been slinging that thing and he will have one more weapon back in the fold. You know, they had to go with two american tackles that means they have to go with another canadian somewhere else and right on time if you need him call him no matter where you are hits number one lamar durant coming off the six game injured list he hasn't made an appearance since he's been in the black and gold so him and his maple leaf counterpart turnowski will be at the wide receiver spots rounding it out stephen dunbar jr mr one hand himself and tim white with also uh Agent Zero, Braylon Addison and Don Jackson. That's quite the offense for the Ticats. To be honest, anybody who's lining up against them has got to be doing their homework because there's weapons everywhere.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, you can see it when the offense is clicking. The amount of plays that these guys are able to make, right? Steven Dunbar is able to do that one-handed catch, but he makes those type of catches every game. Maybe not that flashy, but those difficult type catches, right? Braylon Addison, I thought last game was fantastic. I mean, he's the type of guy, you know, it's, it's, he compared himself on social media to Percy Harvin. Um, but he's one of those type of guys where he catches the ball, he gets 10, 12 yards after breaking a tackle at about four, right? And he just somehow gets his way that, you know, that first down machine. He's awesome at it. What I'm interested to see with this is Lamar Durant and how they use him. He is such a, Big body that it's one of those situations he puts defenses in this weird mismatch, right? Because you can go a version of two back or like a heavier run style or play action with him in the game as a receiver. So defensive coordinators look at it and go, okay, they have all their receivers in, but then you can come out in these two back packages where usually you'd see people put in a fullback or something like that to run these power runs or these deep play action passes. That's where I see Lamar Durant fitting in. Court, I do want to ask you, you're being out for that long as Lamar has. What do you kind of expect him, you know, footing wise to get going as we get down on on this road with him? And what do you expect from him early and then later on down the season?
0: Well, I know from his time when he was in BC, he was more familiar playing out in that, that stationary position, uh, the X or the the Z, the Z receiver who's lines up on the line of scrimmage. So it'll be great to see him in the slot. I don't think it's quote unquote new for him because a receiver is a receiver. And many of the uh, American receivers, for example, when they get to the CFL, they got to learn the waggle for the first time. And it's not like a brand new position, just a little nuance. So Given that he's had so much time to review the playbook and whatnot, I think that he'll actually fit in rather well. But it's a matter of him getting touches early and working himself in and not forcing it. Sometimes we can overthink things as players when we've had too much time to dwell on them. But he's a veteran player. He's made huge plays in this league before. The lights won't be too bright for him. And I think that, you know, Tommy Condell works him in early just so he can get the mojo going, right? I don't think the first catch he makes is a 75 yard bomb. Maybe it is. Maybe he's just been visualizing. Be nice. He's been listening to a little Jay, Sh- Jay Shetty in the morning to get his soul right and just, <laughs> you know, start out with a bang. But if, if I'm Lamar Durand, I'm thinking to myself, you know, let's just get our hands on the ball, get, get back on the bike and see how familiar this feeling is. Because when he is on his game, man, he is a problem for a lot of defensive backs. And speaking of defensive backs, there's another person who has missed all of the games so far this season, who will be back in action. And that is Cariel Brooks. He is the 2021 CFL interception leader. And so when you bring a guy like that back into the lineup, obviously it has an impact. Alden Darby Jr had done an outstanding job at that boundary halfback spot um and now he will be playing that designated import role that we spoke about last week but let's just flip to the other side of the ball you've got a guy like Tunde Adelake who is having in my opinion by far and away the best year for any safety in this league then you've got veteran guys like uh Cianté Evans and Jamal Ro and Richard Leonard this is Potentially a, a five all star, any one of these guys could be an all star in this back end. Going up against a guy like Trevor Harris, how important will it be for Brooks and Tunde and the rest of these DBs to really show up today?
1: Yeah, and you know, just talking about Brooks a little bit coming in, interception leader. But what really flashes on film when you watch him is just the amount of impact plays he makes tackling. I mean, he's able to punch that ball out all the time. His he is as sure of a tackle as there is in the CFL, right? And that's such a big, a big attribute to have because of how big the field is and to get people off on second down, and whatever it might be. So having Brooks in that fold is awesome. And then to talk about it as a whole with Tunde and Brooks, and and then the uh, the veteran core that's back there. You need that with a guy like Trevor Harris, right? Because what Trevor's looking to do is he's looking to see what the defense is in before the ball snapped, right? You hear about this all the time. It's the Tom Brady-type situations, right? It's the Ricky Ray situations where they're just trying to figure out, okay, what's the contour? I'm going to get the ball out as quick as possible. So now when you insert veterans into the fold that know what they're doing already, aren't confused with the defense, aren't thinking too much, then you can start playing with your looks, right? You can start showing showing opposites. So maybe if you're, you know, you're gonna have a half low and a corner high, you can show the corner low first, right? And the half high first before the snap. And then that way when Trevor's looking out there saying, okay, what are they in? What are they in? And there's a bunch of guys moving around all the time and being comfortable with it. They won't know until the play happens. And then that's a one second that's on your side. So having that vet crew in, I think is going to be awesome. And, you know, if they can keep this going for the long stretch of these East games, it's just going to help them grow, get better. And then, like I said, be ready for the playoff run.
0: Absolutely. And Brooks spoke to those same things in, in this week during his media availability about competing against a guy like Trevor Harris, who's won games in this league. He's had comeback victories. As a matter of fact, I think he's had 15 come from behind uh, game winning drives in his career. He's no slouch and he's an accurate passer and he's a guy who knows how to beat you. Let's talk a little bit about his weapons for a quick second. Um I mean, Eugene Lewis, to me, might be one of the most underrated receivers in this league. He's he's good at catching the ball up above his head. He's a bigger guy. He's deceptively fast. And then across from him, you've got uh, Hergie Mayala. You got Jake Weineke. These are all guys who have proven that they can make plays. Now, is anyone keeping you up at night, you know, uh, having nightmares in your bed? I, I don't necessarily think so. But I mean, give them a chance to prove you wrong. And they're all pros. They've made big plays. I mean, Mayala had a great week last week. And even the returner Chandler Worthy last week, he was shaky, had a, a couple of muffed kicks. Um, he had some fumbles that ended up not helping him out. But we know this guy is as dangerous as they get in in the game. So talk about this um, Montreal offense. I think the team is built around offense, whereas the Ticats are more so built around the defense. But Trevor Harris, how does he attack teams? What is his style?
1: Yeah, so Trevor's always looking to get the ball out quick, right? He's trying to get into his playmaker's hands, get that thing out quick, right? the Montreal of old with Vernon Adams in there where they were airing it out constantly, that's gonna kinda move a little bit. As soon as they, you know, have now said, okay, Trevor Harris is our guy, you're gonna see them spread out a little bit more. So use those receivers, get the ball out of his hands quick, whether it's you know, five yard hooks, outs, ins, whatever it might be. But all he's doing is Trevor's just waiting for that one time you're in the defense that he likes. So if it's a man to man situation where he's like, okay, I have Eugene Lewis on the outside here. I got my man-to-man. I got my zero blitz, whatever it might be. I'm throwing the ball up to him. Because time and time again, you see Eugene Lewis. It's like a, a rebounder in basketball. Throw that ball up in the air. He goes up and gets it. And It's it's incredible. He's very, very good at it. Um, and then finally, with this offense, they do try to establish the run as much as they can. With Jeshwan Antwi in there. Um, they're going to try to hand that ball off as much as they can try to get, you know, a little bit of weight off of the shoulders of the receivers and quarterback, but look for Trevor Harris to be getting this ball out quick, right? He'll take a couple shots up to Jake taller receiver, uh, Eugene Lewis and another taller receiver and everything's going to be, you know, find the holes and then one or two shots down the field for, for a little rebound opportunity. I think that's, what's going to happen, but Court, I do want to ask you because now with the move away from Vernon Adams to the Trevor Harris situation, right, is this kind of settling for Montreal or do the Thai Cats get them when, you know, they're in this transition phase from Kahari and Machocha and Trevor Harris and Vernon? Does it bode well for us or is it, you know, is are they kind of figuring out their stride at this point?
0: Well, you know, this Montreal team has been showing flashes of really, really impressive football. Uh, they've had to rally to come back and win against Ottawa. They've shown that they can make the explosive play in the run game and the pass game. And you would feel the vibe that these guys are rallying around Trevor Harris. He's a proven winner. And when you've been to the mountaintop before, so to speak, there's a different way that you can convey that energy to your teammates. There's a different level of calm. There's a different level of poise when you're in tough or tight situations. And I actually think early on, the coaching decision change could have rattled a lot of people. But I think that the performance of the team since the move has given them a spark of hope. Now, personally, do I think that you, you fire your coach like a couple weeks into the season when everything is still in front of you. I mean, as somebody who talks into a microphone about football, I think that's a bad idea, but I don't get paid to make those decisions. But when you have a guy like Trevor Harris, that's like an ace up the sleeve. And you know what? We could be looking at a, a GM who made one of the great moves to, to spark a little bit of energy and get a change. When things aren't going well, sometimes you just need to change something. And if bringing in Trevor Harris to that starting role is that spark that they needed, then you know what? Hats off to them for having, having the guts to make that call. I, I would ask you, though, how about this run game? When your all-star, superstar, best running back in the league, many would say, goes down in game one. And then you've got to have a young guy come in there and be a running back. And I I, I want to say it was the same game. He had like a 35-yard run that he just broke off to let everybody know, hey guys, like calm down. I'm here. I can do this. Uh just like, how good is this guy?
1: Yeah, I mean, it helps him so much. The Montreal of that everybody's used to seeing is hand it off to stand back, hand it off to stand back, hand it off to stand back. So in order for them to continue their offensive trend or whatever you want to call it and, and help out the quarterbacks, help out the receivers. They're like, okay, well Joshua, you gotta be able to do this. And, you know, he's kinda kept doing it. Maybe not to the to the same page as a William standback but he's busting off a couple huge runs a game. I mean he's he's getting them first downs when they need it. Um, it's it's one of those things where, you know, in the Ty Cats defensive room you can't say, hey, they lost Williams, stand back. It's all on Trevor Harris now. You got to say, oh, my gosh, Jeshwan Antwi's getting these runs off. He's, he's breaking runs. He's getting first downs, whatever it might be. We have to worry about this aspect of their offense. So now you look at it and you go, okay, Trevor Harris and the receivers, he's going to get out quick. He knows what's going on. But we can't just give up on the run. We have to make sure that we're in there. We're worried about this. We're stopping it.
0: Right. They're averaging 90 yards per game on the ground. Montreal is compared to Hamilton's 73. The second year player out of Calgary has been toting that thing, as they say. Let's talk a little bit about the trends for this Montreal team. Again, we were talking about how they're built around offense. The last game, 44 points against Ottawa. Um, their other win against Saskatchewan, they put up 37 this is a team that can be explosive and they can light up the scoreboard but when we go on to the other side of the ball hamilton has not been as proficient their highest score of the year was that game against calgary that went to overtime they scored 30 other than that they've scored 25 twice not quite the same numbers uh, as far as points that montreal has been putting up but if you look at the offense. Total yards per game, Hamilton 372 compared to Montreal's 359. If we look at passing yards, Hamilton's averaging 299 a game, Montreal averaging 269. So Hamilton can move the ball. It seems like Montreal is doing a better job scoring actual touchdowns. So taking those things into consideration, what is the formula for Hamilton to come out victorious in this one? Is it simply don't let Montreal score six when they get down into the uh, Hamilton side of the field and just force them to continue kicking field goals? Or is it more so Hamilton's offense has to pick it up and score touchdowns, score majors, and stop getting in positions where they need to try field goals? Which side of the pendulum or which side of the debate are are you on, Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, ideally... Both of those happen. Hamilton's defense limits Montreal and and the offense is able to put it into the end zone. But I think when you look at this team as a whole, what comes down to, you know, getting them over this hump is putting that ball in the end zone. That's got to be 1A because, you know, you look at last week with BC, right? Hamilton's defense did a good job on one of the more explosive offenses in the CFL, right? 17 points in the CFL. That's a good That's a good number to keep them at. When you get an offense to slow down like that, like Hamilton did against BC, Hamilton's offense needs to put that ball in the end zone in order to win these type of games, right? You see it time after time again, I think, you know, you don't win games kicking field goals. And that's kind of this weird situation they're in right now where, and and how do you change that? I don't know. In court, maybe I'm going to ask you that after, but... I think what you look at is with this team is you got to put the ball in the end zone because if your defense can keep playing the way they've been playing these past couple of games, the only focus should be, okay, let's put up these points, let's win these games, and that's really where it's hurt in Hamilton, but how do you change that as a coach, right, when you're looking out in the back or you've been in the rooms, how do you say, okay, like, listen, we're able to put up these yards, we're able to drive down the field, how do we just put in the end zone now like it's you know it's just another yard marker on the field what's going on why can't we score in the end zone why are we always kicking field goals what, what do we got to change what's got to happen
0: now i don't know if it's going to take more heroic efforts because if you go across the board you can see guys making amazing individual plays i think that's been part of the big frustration this year for for people inside that locker room, if they are having frustrations or uh, fans, it's just the roster is stacked with amazing players in Hamilton. And you've got it showing in flashes. You've got a kick return touchdown here. You got a one handed catch there. You've got, you know, an open field tackle on an all star um, offensive player in a critical second down situation or a late game pick. There's been flashes, but I think it's it's time for the guys to make timely plays, right? They've been making great plays. They've been making a lot of them, but it's about the situational football. Can you make the second down possessing catch on second and seven when you need to keep the drive going? That sometimes is bigger than the actual touchdown because you know for whatever reason, if you don't get down there, you don't actually have a chance to score. So I think starting fast and not letting it be close um, I think it was a, a stat like 70% of all games in the CFL this year have gone down to a one possession game within the last three minutes. Those haven't been working out the best in the Ticats' favor. Now, that pendulum could swing the other way, and we can return, revert to the mean, and, you know, they can start winning some of those close games. But at this stage, bringing an Eastern opponent into Tim Horton's field, if I'm the Ticats, I'm thinking, what better time to run up the score than right here at home against a division opponent. And so with that said, Mike, let's talk about the matchups and the storylines that we're watching in this game. What's on your radar or who is on your radar as as key people to watch tonight?
1: Yeah, so I think when you look at these two teams right now, what's really helping them is, is their special teams return units. So I think, you know, the tough thing right now is Lawrence Woods is a game-time decision, right? And he has been unbelievable on returns. But you look at the other side of the ball, and they have Chandler Worthy, right? Who, yes, he said he's he's been dropping the ball. It's been kind of hit or miss. But he's a very good returner, and he's shown that as soon as he got over to Montreal. So I think that's going to be my matchup. Because when you talk about helping out offenses, right? Part of the reason Montreal was able to put up so many points is because of how well Chandler Worthy was returning the ball, right? The reason that Lawrence Woods can get off and and get these yards on the return is because of how well that special teams unit is playing. Now what we have to do is we have to see this change over and help out this offense by, like you said, getting those extra first downs so that we can get into the end zone and get these guys a chance to make one of these timely plays, in the end zone to get a touchdown so that's my first matchup is is look at these two top of the cfl return units and see who can help that offense out the most and get them into good field position and win that field position battle to try to score these touchdowns
0: yeah and and talking about field position my matchup was trevor harris versus the returning carrie brooks now i know it's there's a lot more guys that trevor harris has to take on but In critical second down situations, in late game situations, there's certain receivers who get paid to make those catches. They're usually in the boundary. And a lot of the times they play in either the X or the W spot. And, you know, Brooks is going to have a chance to shine when the lights are on. And if I'm an offensive coordinator, I want to go up against a guy who is the least minutes this season. I want to go up against a guy who hasn't been playing to just see hey, are you ready? Is your confidence there? Is your footing there? Uh, it might not be all the way back to 100%, as they say, in mid-season form, the way that you would expect from a veteran guy like Brooks, um, had he been playing since week one. So for me, I want to see how Cariel Brooks steps back into his role as one of the leaders on that defense and going up against a guy like Trevor Harris is never easy. So you've got to be prepared, Tiger Cats. I know that you guys are prepared, Tiger Town. So seven thirty Eastern at the Donut Box, the two and four Montreal Alouettes are coming to town to take on the one and five Hamilton Tiger Cats. You can catch the game live on the Ticats Audio Network or if you're in town, swing by, grab a $5 beer before kickoff and listen to Luke and RJ on the call. Bubba and Andy got the pregame an hour early and that's about it for us. We uh, appreciate you tuning in as always. And next week, we will be here again on Tiger Cats game day to get you ready for the next one. Enjoy the game. and We'll talk soon. It's game day, and you're ready. So are we. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at at gamedayattiecats.ca. Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly are here every game day with their insights into today's game. Subscribe to the Ticats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.